1: Back to Romans 12. Come on, back to Romans 12. We're getting close to concluding this little series on thinking like God thinks. Understand what's so unique about this is before you got born again, Bible is foolishness to those who are perishing. But once you get born again and the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, now God by the Holy Spirit can make it make sense to you. We're not talking about just mental ascent here. Renewing of the mind is a transformation in the way you think, the aspect of your soul, mind, will, and emotions. And really, all you're doing as you renew your mind is you're providing a way for the new you to come out. What we want to do is be dominated by our spirit, just like our guys are learning in our Total Man series by Dr. Summerall. But to do that, to see this transformation in our life, our minds must be renewed. The great part about it is we can think like God. And if we think like God, what does that mean? We can act like God. I want to challenge you this morning before we ever look at a single verse to think about this this week. I want you to look at your life. I want you to think about aspects of what you do week in and week out. I want you to look at what you do, things that you experience in your life, things that happen, different experiences, different things, etc. And I want you to think about what what in my life am I doing that God clearly would not do. Are there certain little things in the way I act, things I say? things I see, things I think about, et cetera, that God would not do. I guarantee you what you want to do as a believer is never think you've arrived. I don't need this message. I'm already living like God. The Bible says your mind needs to be continually renewed till Jesus comes back. So you and I need to constantly work on keeping our minds renewed to the Word of God. Amen? But what our mind does, our thinking does, is it causes us to say things. And those words begin to lead us down a pathway in life of how we're going to live. But thank God we can actually think like God and therefore do what? Live like God by bringing this new man out. Romans 12, 2, we're just going right to verse 2 today. And do not be conformed to this world. If we're conformed to the world, the new man's not living through us. The new man's already on the inside, the real you that's been born again. Obviously is not conformed to this world. But therefore, if we allow that new man to dominate, we are not going to live like the world, sound like the world, look like the world, act like the world. You won't have to deal with fear, worry, any form of frustration, uh, aspects of what are obviously wrong forms of anger. How many know there's a righteous anger? You know, even God gets righteously angry at things he sees that hurts people's lives. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The transformation takes place by the... Renewing of your mind. Now the phrase renewing, and especially the word renewing there, is an ongoing continual process. It never has any aspect of a, that, that verb form of that word has nothing to do with you've arrived at some state in this life. It's a constant ongoing thing. It's a part of our lifestyle. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will then do what? Prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All of us can get better at becoming living proof of what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The more you walk like God, the more the world's going to take note of it. The more you walk like God, the more people are going to notice something different about you. They did about Wigglesworth. They did about Hagen. So even though you might think, well, I'm not living in sin or I'm not doing anything bad or whatever, how often do people just come up to you, attracted to you, wanting to know what it is about your life? That it seems so different. There's just something about you. I can't. I don't know what it is, but I'm just telling you, whatever you got, I want. I'll tell you what, when you get to that point, you are really walking like God. Because people were drawn to Jesus, right? They were drawn to him. They were drawn to him not just because of the miracles, but because of the very glory, the very light that they saw shining forth from him. The more you walk like God, the more the world's going to see the glory of God on you. How many you know we have a prophecy in Isaiah 60? We're to arise and shine. That the glory of the Lord has risen upon us, the church, right? And when that glory is shining forth, what does it say will happen? Even the Gentiles, those that don't know God, will be what? Drawn to your light. So I'm going to tell you, unless that's happened on a continual basis, we still have some transformation to go through. But thank God we can do it. So again, this is walking like God by how? Thinking like God. Verse 2 says that we do this, this transformation, through the renewing of our mind so that we then again prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Another way to say that, like I've told you from the Greek language is, you become living proof. You become living proof of what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So the whole point of this verse is to say if we renew our mind, renewing our mind does what? It brings the God-like man out. Within every one of us is a God-like man, including the power of God, the anointing of God, the Holy Spirit, who is one with our spirit. We want to see that very presence come out as well, and that will the more that we walk like God on this planet. You'll be able to do the very things Jesus did. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. One of the things about the gifts of the Spirit a lot of people don't know is that, yes, we have to desire them, but you basically have... For the most part, how many of you know about the gifts of the Spirit, the 12 manifestation gifts of the Spirit that help us to walk like Jesus walked, to be able to do miracles, to be able to have words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, special faith, supernatural faith. Uh, The actual faith to do what? Again, to work miracles, including raising the dead. You can't raise the dead just because you think you can. You can't raise the dead without the working of miracles and the gift of faith in operation. But guess what you can't do? A lot of people kind of think, I can just turn these gifts on and off. No, you can't. They're distributed as he wills. And a lot of people then, guess what they try to do? Because they have such a desire to operate in the gifts. I said there's two camps on the gifts of the Spirit. One is there's people so zealous, like the, the Corinthian church for the gifts, they get in error. They try to manifest them. They try to work them on their own. They try to actually in some way manipulate the Holy Spirit to manifest these gifts through them. So then they begin, without realizing it, to give in to familiar spirits. They hear words given. Oh, this must be the Holy Spirit. Give me a word of wisdom, word of knowledge. I certainly didn't have it from my own understanding, and it just came to me. doesn't mean it came from God. And you've got to understand that a lot of times if you get off on the wrong side of wanting the gifts of the Spirit so bad that you're going to find any way to function in them, i guarantee you what? You're going to get off into error. The other side is to say we just deny them. We don't even want them. We don't even act like they're there. But God wants them functioning through the church. Guess where the primary purpose of the majority of the gifts of the Spirit are functioning? In the context of the Bible, outside this building out into the world, when you're out there around other people. That's where God wants us to be impacting people's lives. Amen? Now, you don't have to wait for the gifts of the Spirit to manifest to minister to people. Because if you share the Word with them, faith comes by hearing by the... So they can act upon that Word just like you can. But you and I got to realize we want to walk in the fullness of what God has for us. Amen? So Ephesians 4 talks more in depth about this transformation process of what we go through constantly as a believer and develop in to be able to not only think like God, but walk like God. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17, Apostle Paul said here to the Ephesian church, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord. So what he means by that when he says, I'm not just saying something to you, I'm testifying in the Lord. In other words, he lived this out. This, this was his living testimony. It's like I've told you, I'm not teaching stuff from the Bible because I heard somebody else teach it. I'm not teaching, uh, you know, we've had a lot of great teaching poured into our lives by our spiritual fathers, but I've experienced it. I've lived it. I've seen it work. I've seen it work in my life. I've seen it work through my life. Well, that's what Paul's saying here. When he's saying, I'm testifying in the Lord, he's saying, I'm not just telling you something because I heard it somewhere. Or somebody told me about it. I am a living testimony to this. Again, I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Underline that. You were in verse seventeen, Ephesians four. Thank you in, in Ephesians four, yes. verse seventeen. You should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Think about your life. What's a Gentile? Somebody who doesn't know God. Think about how somebody who doesn't know God walks. Think about what they say. Think about where they go. Think about, not just from a perspective of sinful things. What about just common everyday issues with worry, stress, frustration, fear, etc.? See, it bothers me as a believer to know that there's people that have been in my church for years who are still allowing things to affect their life when they've been taught how to apply the word and to overcome those things. Because the truth is, as we're going to see again, sitting here and hearing a message does you absolutely no good at all. If you don't get serious, listen to every word, hang on every word, take it to heart and go apply it to your life. That's the people that are going to be transformed. Amen. Renewing of the mind is not just hearing a sermon. Renewing of the mind starts there. Renewing the mind starts by you going to the word, by you hearing the word preached. But that's just where it starts. That's just the beginning place. So anything about our life, now I'm going to be honest with you. You can do whatever you want. I'm going to tell you, there's still some parts of me. There's still some parts of that old nature that wants to rise up and dominate my life. And there's still some things in my life, not massive aspects of sin or I'm not in adultery. I'm not stealing money from some. I'm not talking about that. Just talking about saying things. Sometimes I know like I shouldn't have said that. Why did I say that? Why did I say that about me? Why did I think that? Why did I even think that about that other person? So you got to realize that there's still parts of our life that are still functioning from that old Adamic nature, but by the renewal of the mind, guess what? You can change any of that. No matter what it is, you can change it. So you and I should look at our life and say, what about my life still looks like a Gentile? What about my life, my actions? What about the, what, what about the way you think about other people? What about the way you think about your pastor? What do you think about your pastor? Because I guarantee you, Gentiles don't think a whole lot about ministers. Well, get, sad to say a lot of Christians don't today. You know, I got in a conversation with a guy the other day just sharing a simple scripture. Simple scripture. It's all through the Bible. I mean, it's so black and white. This is, this is so far from a gray area, it's not even funny. And I just said, you know, God gave the gift of a shepherd to the body of Christ to help you, to develop you, to mature you, to grow you up, and to help you maintain your walk with God so you could know Jesus and go out and impact this world. And that's the reason God gave you this gift of a shepherd. If you're going to choose to not go to church and not have a shepherd over your life, you've chosen to reject a gift that Jesus gave you. And this guy said, I don't need a shepherd. I hear it all the time. I don't need a shepherd. Jesus is my shepherd. So I just responded with the scriptures. It's all I do. I'm a man of truth. I'm sticking to the Bible. And I said, listen, Jesus said in Ephesians 4, he gave you these gifts. One of which is a shepherd. In Jeremiah 3.15, God said he was going to give you shepherds. You ready for this? You ready for this? How many are ready for this? That's like a question usually requires an answer. You ready for this? So Jesus in Jeremiah 3.15 said, God said, the Lord said, I'm going to give you shepherds. Watch this. Who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now guess why most Christians are destroyed? We read it Wednesday night. I'll guarantee you, you missed Wednesday night. See, you missed a powerful message, man. Eight ways of how you can totally whip the devil in your life. Eight things to do to totally whip the devil in your life. So you got to understand one of the keys of how the devil takes advantage of people. Isaiah says it this way. Isaiah says people are taken captive for a lack of knowledge. Hosea says they're destroyed. I see a lot of Christians still taken captive by things and affected affected in a negative way. You know why? They lack knowledge. They lack knowledge of what God says about them. They lack knowledge of what God says they are, what God says they can do, how they're to walk and live out this life successful. They lack knowledge. Well, guess why they lack knowledge? They don't have a shepherd. So this guy tells me, I don't need a shepherd. I got Jesus. I just responded. I said, sir, you can choose to live however you want. What you're telling me is you're choosing to reject what God says you need. I said, go study Ephesians 4. I'm not on facebook i'm not on social media to pastor you i'm there to share truths for people that want to receive it and walk in the light of the truth that's all i'm there for i'm not there to try to pastor you which most people that come back to you like this they're not wanting pastored they want to argue they're, they're that word guess what that word did when they read it you know what that word did it convicted their heart and because they're convicted in their heart you know why they're convicted they're not doing it so now i 've got to somehow come up with an answer to say this is why i don 't believe that, this is why i don 't do that because guess what i don 't feel like right now i don 't feel like i 'm really good right now in the sense of doing that so i 'm not going to make him i 'm not going to let him make me feel bad i 'm not the word is Amen. the word 's convicting you for what you 're not doing, not me i 'm just sharing the Bible and so this led into to a conversation then of him going to the degree of saying, so you 're probably one of those pastors that believes in tithing like Hitler believed in controlling people 's lives during the actual uh, time of the Jews when he took advantage of Jews. I, I, I'm, I'm done with you. Bye. Blocked you. See you later. I'm not here to argue with you. You don't want to hear the truth. But sad to say, a lot of people really don't. They really don't. They want, some will go to church just to kind of obviously do what they know they need to do as a believer. But can I help you? Yeah. Take advantage of this time. Yeah. Take advantage of this time. God's speaking to you. Yeah. God's speaking to you through the scriptures. And I'll guarantee you, if you take something out of this and apply it, it's going to revolutionize your life. It's going to change your life. Amen? So we got to look at verse 17, how we're living, and say, what about my life still has some Gentile traits to it? Aspects of what I do, what I think, what I say, what I think about others, etc. Because I had to start addressing some thoughts that I had about this guy to go back to the degree of saying, you know what? I love the guy. I'm not going to argue with him, though. The Bible tells me not to argue over doctrine. I'm not doing it. And I know that's what you want to do. You want to, you want, to, and you can. You want to live your life without a shepherd. Go for it. Go for it. Go right ahead. You have the liberty to do so. Praise God. But don't sit here and tell me you're obeying God. Because you're rejecting a gift. You're rejecting a gift God gave to help you. So you're still living like a Gentile. Because guess what Gentiles don't have? Shepherds. You need your mind renewed there. You need to go to the scripture and find out what does the Bible say. Verse 18, watch this, having their understanding. So we're still talking about Gentiles who don't know God. Watch this, their understanding is what? What is it? It's darkened. What are shepherds to do? Give you knowledge and understanding. Well, again, a Gentile who doesn't know God, their understanding as it relates to the things of God is darkened. You know why? They don't have the Holy Spirit to reveal the Bible to them. They don't have that Holy Spirit living in them like you do. So, this understanding to them is darkened. Underline this, being alienated from the life of God. Now, you are not. You are not. They are because they're not born again. They don't have access to Zoe life yet until they get born again. The moment you get born again, guess what comes to live in you? Zoe life. Say, I have. have. Come on, like you mean it, I have have. access Access. to Zoe life. What's that? Life as God has it. Now, see... They have a reason for not living like that because they don't have it. They're alienated from that life. They don't know God yet, but that's not your excuse. That's not why we should be living like Gentiles because we have access to that life. So he says that they are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their what? See, their hearts are blinded to the Scriptures. Yours are not. Now, wait a minute. You can hinder your heart from receiving the Scriptures multiple ways. We're going to talk about it in a minute again. But guaranteed, your heart has not been blinded from the Scriptures. You have a teacher called the Holy Spirit. A lot of people will go to run to 1 John. I don't need the pastor because I got the Holy Spirit. The Bible says I got the Holy Spirit. No, I don't need anybody to teach me. I need no man to teach me. Why again that he give you gifts of the fivefold ministry? If you need no man to teach you, you got to put that in the balance of the Holy Scripture. You can't take that one verse and say, I don't need a teacher. Then we're eliminating everything else the Bible said in the New Testament about being taught the Word of God. So clearly he's not telling you you don't need somebody to teach you. He's saying he's not your ultimate teacher. I'm not your ultimate teacher. I said, I'm not your ultimate teacher. I'm a a purveyor of truth. I I am an echo. Every good pastor, every good minister, every good believer is an echo of God. I'm not giving my opinion. I don't want to give you my opinion. I'm just telling you what God says in His Word. But guess who brings that alive in you? Not me. Holy Spirit does. Say, thank God I have a helper. See, Gentiles don't. So they have an excuse. They have a reason for not living the God kind of life because they don't have it in them. They don't have access to it yet, and therefore their hearts are still blinded. But say, not mine. 19, notice this still, talking about these Gentiles who being past feeling. How is it people can do what they do and it doesn't even seem to affect them? Because they're so blinded and so hardened in their heart because of sin that in many ways they aren't even affected by the things they do. We were talking about this yesterday when we were talking about, you know, the Vietnam veterans and stuff, and I know from talking to pastor. He said, I was such a demon-possessed, demon-driven young man, I wanted to hurt people bad. And therefore, the opportunity to be able to go into the military at the time and go to Vietnam and get paid to do it. See, for you, some of you are like, you're kidding. There's people like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why? Because they don't know God. They don't know God. What's in them? Hatred. Not everybody, but I'm just saying it's part of that old Adamic nature. Amen? And to him, that hatred had manifested. That hatred had flourished in his life. And so realize his whole reason for going in the military. He'll tell himself, I'm not bringing out something that's a private matter. He's publicly said it many times. The only reason I went into into the military into the Marines is because I was going to get paid to hurt people. And I wanted to hurt people. I'm going to tell you why people do that. Demon-possessed, blinded by hatred, blinded by evil. But thank God Jesus came to his life. Don't look at Pastor Barclay when he comes like he's some evil man. That's who he was pre-Christ. We were all somebody obviously wasn't very good pre-Christ. So clear, yeah, that man died. Exactly right, Kathy. 19. So again, these Gentiles are even past feeling, past feeling, doing things that are just abhorrent beyond what even most people would think of, you know, be an aspect of any form of compassion with people. Notice they have given themselves over to what? Lewdness. To work what? All uncleanness with greediness. Now, wait a minute. That's Gentiles who don't know God. That's not you. So any of that should not describe me and you. Any of that should not describe how we think, what we do, how we live at all. Why? Because that's not us. So that's not me. me. Now, why is he bringing all this up? I'm going to show you. Verse 20. But you have not so what? Underline that, please. Learned Christ. Christ. That's more than being born again. See, that's more than being born again. He didn't say, but you have not so walked in such a lifestyle because you're born again. No. He said, you've not learned this lifestyle from Christ. So he's talking about the fact that if you've been born again and taught the Word of God, that's not the kind of lifestyle you've been taught. You've not been taught it's okay to keep living this way. You've not been taught it's okay, not in this church, I guarantee you. You've not been taught it's okay to keep living like a sinner even though you're born again because it doesn't matter. It's not what we teach here because it does matter. Why does it matter, by the way? Hurt your life. Hurt your life. The wages of sin for the believer is the same as the wages of sin before you got born again. It hasn't changed. The wages didn't change because you got born again. The wages is still death. What's death? That is separation from the God kind of life. Guess what we have? The God kind of life. Guess what you have the privilege to walk in? The God kind of life. What if I don't? You're walking in the opposite. You're walking in death. But thank God we don't have to. I said, thank God we don't have to. So again, he said, you have not so learned Christ 21 if condition. If you have what? You have heard him. How many have heard about Jesus? Raise your hand. Come on. That's all about half of you. How many have heard about Jesus? Let me see. Have you heard about it? So you qualify there. You heard about him. But notice the second part. So not only do you got to hear about him, get born again. Watch this. And you've been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Think about that. Think about that. As you've been taught by him, who? Jesus. Well, you're teaching us, Pastor. Really, I'm just simply speaking on behalf of what Jesus, the Word Himself, says. When you speak the Word, who's really teaching you? Jesus is. Who's the Word? Jesus is. He's the Word. So if people are really teaching you the Bible, what it says, guess what you're receiving? You've not only heard about Jesus, you've been taught by Him. Say, I've been taught by Him. Now, it's easy to see today. I guarantee if you've never got this book, you ought to go get it. Pastor Barclay, several years ago, wrote a new book. It's been out for a while now. It's called The Missing Red Letters. The Missing Red Letters. And he, all he does, he goes through what Jesus taught in the red letters of the New Testament, of the Gospels. And I'll tell you why they're missing today. I'm going to tell you why. Because a lot of ministers today, even believers, are saying... Uh, back to this gentleman I was talking about in relationship to the aspect of a shepherd. Then he brings up tithing. I didn't get into it with him. But he said, you know, you ministers say tithings in the New Testament because Jesus mentioned it. Yeah. That's New Testament. Last I checked, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... But they're saying new covenant hasn't started. He is the new covenant, baby. He is the new covenant. He is the fulfillment of the new covenant. How ridiculous that the one that died for us, we're not supposed to listen to him cuz he hasn't died yet. Are you kidding me? But that's what we're being taught today. Not here. That's what Christians are being taught today. They're being taught, well, what Jesus said, that was under the Old Covenant. So we don't abide by what Jesus taught under the Old Covenant. We abide by what we're now taught in the epistles after Jesus died and was raised from the dead. So you're saying we ignore the Son of God? No. We ignore Him. Okay, guess what Jesus said? Ready? This is, can you see? Let me, show you why, let me show you why people and ministers want to cut out the red letters today. You ready? Yes. That's three of you. That was a question again. You ready? Yeah. See, I say that to get a response. Make sure I keep you awake. Right? Jerk your attention. Grab a hold of you. Good, pre- good preachers know i got to keep your attention. Listen to this. Jesus said this. He said, you know, it was said of the old covenant, you shall not commit adultery. But I say, oh, Jesus is going to add something to this. I say, if you even look with lust you've committed adultery. Well, see, we don't have to go by that because guess what? That was still under the old covenant. Jesus hadn't died yet. He hadn't been raised from the dead. So guess what? Guess what, guys? Guess what, girls? You can just go look at everybody's body parts and lust all you want because that was under the old covenant. Now, the amazing thing is these same ministers who tell you parts of what not to listen to that Jesus said, like tithing, like tithing, don't listen to that. But oh, no, we don't commit adultery. Well, Jesus said... Come on. So you don't pick and choose what part of Jesus said you like and you don't like. If you want to walk in Zoe life. If you want to live a life like God. Can I get a better amen? I mean, I'd hate to have anybody raise their hand to this. But seriously, is there anybody in this church that believes you don't take what Jesus said and apply it to your life? Because if you do, you're wrong. He was the master. He was our model. He was our example. He's our best friend. And he revealed to us how to live this life. Right? Old covenant, under the old covenant, the law. Guess what? The only way you commit adultery is if you're actually caught in the act. Guess what Jesus said in the New Testament? Hey, ladies and gentlemen, the New Testament didn't bring a lower standard into being. You listening? It didn't bring a lower standard into being. Jesus said, That's what was said under the old covenant. I tell you. So, what is he saying? I'm the new covenant. And I tell you, if you even look with lust, guess what you've done? Guess what you've done? Without even committing the act with the person. Higher standard of the New Testament, not lower. You know why? Because you got the Holy Spirit living in you to do this. You got the Holy Spirit living in you to empower you this way. See, people get nervous about this stuff. Oh, boy, here we go. We're going to get in bond. I have a question. I have a question. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Everybody say it out loud, please. So if we think like God, how will we live? Like God. What does that mean? I won't look with lust. you think Jesus walked around looking with lust? No. Wouldn't it wouldn't be great to be free from that. But you can. You just got to think like God. just got to think like God. You ready for one more? I'll only do one more because for the sake of time, some of you are looking a little peaked, so I don't want to, I want to frustrate you too much. I want to get back to my message. Listen carefully. Jesus said this. He literally said, So under the New Testament... Moses permitted and granted a certificate of divorce. But I say... Yeah. See, people in marriage situations don't like this. That aren't good. He said, I say, unless there's been a commitment of adultery in that marriage, he said, you'll not grant a certificate of divorce. Huh? Now, there's one thing added in the New Testament as well. And in the New Testament, also added to that is, if somebody departs from you, guess what you can't do? You can't force them to stay. You can't force somebody to stay in a covenant that doesn't want to stay in a covenant. Now, get mad at me. Throw stuff if you want. I'll take it. It's okay. But I'm going to tell you right now, that's the only two reasons, biblically, the Bible says you have a right to walk away from a marriage. Thank you. For, see, look how quiet it gets. No amens on that. Not one amen on that. That's the Bible. Well, I've made a mistake. Then, but well, guess what? You didn't make a mistake. You sinned, which we've all sinned. And if we've done it, guess what we should do? Repent. I mean, oh, God will instantly forgive you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's not an unpardonable sin, folks. But see, we got to look at this for what it is. See, modern day Christianity doesn't want to tell you that's a sin. The Bible says it is. What's the sin? What's a sin? What's a sin? It's not living like God lives. It's just missing the mark. I mean, you know, we've all done that in different parts of our life. So if we've divorced for the wrong reason, guess what we should do? Repent. Come on, somebody. But if you repent, what's that mean? I ain't doing that again. I may have made that mistake once, but I'm not going to do that again. So don't go get remarried thinking if it don't work out, I'll divorce. Right. See, this is the reason for the standard being so high because God don't want you to go in marriage thinking if it don't work out. Right. Come on, if you've already been through one, that didn't work out, it ditched that one, well, that didn't work out, it ditched that one, well, that didn't work out, it ditched that one. He said, you need to take this a little more serious. Right. Don't look at your past. No. Tell your neighbor, stop looking back right now. Some of you are already looking at your past. See, some of you are already thinking about what you did. No, no, no. We don't go there. We forget what's behind. I said, we forget what's behind. We press on to what's ahead. But if I'm going to think like God, guess what I'm going to think like? I don't want to go into a marriage thinking if it don't work out. Many do. Many Christians do. I don't want to go into marriage thinking if it don't work out. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've been through a divorce, it ain't fun. My wife's been through one. It ain't fun. I know. But I'm just here to tell you, folks, guess what? There's forgiveness. There's healing. Aren't you glad? But don't lower the standard of God moving forward. Come on, somebody. God's wanting to help you. God's wanting to help you. Anybody ever been through divorce know how painful it is? Well, what if we live according to the Bible? You're probably not going to go through another divorce. Thank you, Jesus. And therefore, you'll have to go through that pain again. Isn't it bad enough to go through it once or twice? But guess what? You don't have to. I said, you don't have to. We should, that, all Jesus is saying in that statement, okay, so Moses, you know why he said he, he granted a certificate of divorce? Because of the weakness of your flesh. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You're now born again. You're now a child of God. You now got the power of God living in you. Yes, we do. See, some of you have been through divorces and you're already looking at me with that sad, you know, upset. Get off of that. Forget your past. I'm trying to help you come up to think like God thinks and live like God lives. Forget about what happened in the past, but it doesn't cause me to now not teach the Bible because somebody went through that. I'm not supposed to speak of the Bible anymore. That Bible teaches it. Why did he say he gave it? Because of the weakness of your flesh. But I say without adultery committed, guess what? Them obviously giving their love to somebody else they shouldn't have. He said you should not divorce. What's he saying in that statement? What's he saying in that statement? Okay, so under Moses, if it don't work out, ladies and gentlemen, just come to me. We'll write you a secretive or divorce. Away you go. So what do you think is going to happen in marriages with that attitude? What's going to happen in marriages with that attitude? Hey, no big deal, honey. If they don't work out, big, you just move on. I move on. and We just go about our life. And you have kids and you go through all this pain and suffering and everything. No. God's saying, take this serious. This is a covenant. This is a covenant agreement. Take it serious. Amen. Tell somebody, pastor's just trying to help you. <laughs> you help well, he's talking about my past. No, I'm not talking about your past. I'm talking about moving into your future. Amen. I'm talking about obeying the word of God. Can I get a better amen. amen? So he said again in verse 20, you've not learned Christ 21 if you've heard about him and you've been taught by him. Well, those are things Jesus taught us. Should I stop teaching them? Should I stop teaching them because some of you get a sour look on your face? No. Tell your neighbor that ain't in Jesus' name. No, we don't stop teaching those things. Why? Because it's the truth. I said it's the truth. And we're not supposed to live like Gentiles. Amen? And thank God we don't have to. Has anybody in here at all sinned since you've been born again? Have you repented? Did God forgive you? How long did it take him? Instantly. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? But we don't take the attitude, well, it doesn't matter if I do it again because I'll just repent again. No, we should say, Lord, repentance means I'm going to turn away from this. I want to live a better life. I want to live like God lives. Because I want to think like God thinks. Better amen than that. Amen. So notice this in 21. He said, if you've been taught by Jesus, the truth is what? In Jesus. Where's the truth found? Where's the truth found? Okay, what is Jesus? He's the Word. Where are you going to find the truth? In the Word. Not in your preacher. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Not in your ideology. Not in your philosophy. Not in what you think the Bible says. What God said you know what you think doesn't change what God said? Right. When you wake up to that reality, hey, what I think really doesn't matter because they don't change what God said. Amen. And God spoke truth and that truth will help what? Set me, right. thank you. 22, notice this, underline the four words here, that you put off. See, we're supposed to put something off, remember? Yes. Renewing the mind, right? Deconstruction, we got to go in and tear down some old thoughts, mm-hmm. Right? He said, "You're to put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust." And twenty three, how do you do that? Be renewed in the, spirit. be renewed in the spirit. spirit of your mind. Circle, highlight, or make a note of that verse. That's your key verse of all the what he said in, in Ephesians uh, chapter four here. That is the key aspect of what he said here in Ephesians chapter four, and we'll come back to it. Twenty four, and that you have now put on what? What have you done? Put on the new come on, tell me out loud, please. You put on the new man which was created. Listen to this. You ready? Come on. How many got your little shout and shoes with you? This is shouting shoe ground right here. You've been so sad up until this point. Some of you get excited because you're about to hear some good news. You ready? You're to put on this new man which was created, created according to God. The new you living on the inside of you was was created according to God. Notice, in true righteousness and holiness, your new man is just like God. The new you is just like God. Truly righteous and truly holy. What do we need to do? Let that guy out. Let that guy live. How? By renewing your mind. Thinking like God. All you're doing, this is not mind over matter, a non-believer, one who doesn't know Jesus could try to renew their mind of the Bible and it will not transform their life because they don't have that new life in them. They could renew the way they think and it could affect some things obviously in their life if they think better, but it's not going to cause them to walk in life as God has it because that nature's not in them. That life's not in them. Say, it's in me. Why don't you lift your hand right now to the Lord and thank Him that it's in you. Come on, how glad should you be? Thank you, Lord, that life is in me. That life is in me. That God life is in me. I've been created, you've been created, we've been created according to God. Who made you? God did. Who made the new man? God did. Who is in true righteousness and holiness. Guess what we need to do? Put that man on. That man needs to come to the forefront. But to do that, back up a little bit if you would, verse 22, we got to first of all do what? Put off the old one. we got to put off the old one. How do we put off the old one so the new one could shine forth? The key verse that I told you about, verse, 20, uh, verse 23. You have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Say renewed, renewed. In, the in the spirit of my mind. Now let me explain something. So I've already given you three keys about how to renew your mind. Number one, what do you got to do? Number one, you got to put off the old by seeing the new. You got to put off the old by how? Seeing the new. You got to go to the word of God and you got to renew your mind to this new man. Everywhere, in especially the book of Romans through Revelation, you have scriptures over and over again that say this very thing. Those scriptures are back on the table. There's about 133 of them in the New Testament. In Christ, in whom, in him, etc. That's talking about who you are now that you're in him who you've become in Christ Jesus, you need to see that image because that's the image of God. That's the image of Jesus. Now, you can also learn about that image by looking at the Gospels because who do you see the image of in the Gospels? Two people, Jesus, and therefore you see the image of who? The Father. Because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that image is yours. That's yours. You should not be down and out right now with the distressed look on your face. You've been made by God like him. That don't put a smile on you? Amen. Oh, I don't feel like it. it ain't based on how you feel. If you're not born again, get born again. You can fix that today. But the moment you get born again, guess what? That new man's in there. I said he's in there. What am I trying to do as a pastor? Help you let him out. So number one, say it again, I must put off the old by learning about the new. So remember we gave the example like in a reconstruction phase of a building or something. You go in, you see the old part, what it looks like. When we walked in here, does anybody remember the color of these walls? They were orange. They were Harley Davidson orange. There was a biker church in here last. They had everything Harley Davidson. I'm not nothing against that. Not my favorite color. I mean, can you everything, all these walls, Harley Davidson orange. So we saw what was here and we said, don't like that. We want a new image. We want a new image. So we began to picture what we wanted to look like. You listening? Before we ever started repainting a wall, we started picturing what we wanted to look like. So what color do we want on the walls? Many of you may say, well, I don't like these colors. Well, that's okay. I got to choose them. I'm the pastor. Glory to God. Sorry if you don't like them. But we like them. They're kind of neutral. But the point, but point I'm trying to make, simple point is, you don't get to this Right? You don't get to this without, first of all, getting rid of what was there. But wait a minute. But you don't get rid rid of what was there until you, first of all, picture in your mind this. See, you're picturing the new image. When you see the new image, now you're beginning to do what? Deconstruct. You're beginning to see, wait a minute. That thought's not how God thinks. That's not. The Bible's clear. God doesn't think that way about himself. God doesn't say those things about himself like I've been saying about me. Come on, God don't do those things because I'm seeing the image of God, how He lives. That's not how He lives. I'm doing that, but that's not what He does. So I'm seeing a new image. And when I see that new image, I've got to continue to renew my mind to that for transformation to begin, say begin. So all you're doing is you're identifying what's got to come out. Seeing the new image won't change it. Bring, you know, come on, Chip Gaines. Bring the plans. Lay them down. They just got a castle, right? Build a castle, Catherine. Show me the video there, they bought a castle in Waco. So they lay out these plans. You see everything that was supposed to look like. But you know what? Looking at the plans don't take out the the old. Does it? I said, does it? But you don't know what to take out yet till you have the image. So why do we go to the image to see what needs to come out? When you look at the image in the Bible of who God made you to be, say He's in there. Everything about that Bible that talks about who you are in Christ, that he's in there. Whether you realize it or not, he's in there. You start seeing that image and you start seeing things that don't mesh up with that image on the outside. You say, that's what's got to come out. That's what's got to get removed. Those wrong thoughts that are bringing me into that place of lifestyle needs to come out. So you're renewed in the spirit of your mind. Listen to this phrase, renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewed in the spirit of my mind. Every uh, Greek scholar that I've looked at the context of this. Some translations say renewed in the attitude of my mind. But the Bible never refers to the word spirit here as the attitude. The word spirit here is the real you. It's new It's the new you. It's the new man on the inside. What am I renewing my mind to? It's almost like this verse was written out in, in a sense for us in English ways in a, in a reverse fashion. I'm to renew, renew my mind to the new spirit. That's what it's saying. You renew yourself to the spirit. Of, you renew yourself to this new spirit of your mind. The renew renew my mind is to the new what? The new spirit inside me. So what I'm doing is I'm taking my mind to realize I'm what? I'm a spirit. That's one of the first things you should renew your mind to. I'm not a body. Think about everything that relates to your soul, your reasoning faculties. How about when you hear a message? What are you reasoning? Are you getting mad at the words that are being taught to you? Let me help you. That's your old Adamic nature. That's the part of your, your old Adamic nature that don't want to submit to God. If you're hearing the truth and you're getting mad about it, that's that old Adamic nature. You're going to let that rule you? So now you're going to shut your mind off to hear the Word of God and miss out what God has for you. A lot of Christians do it. A lot of Christians do it. I've sat in many services had my pastor sting me. He did and the Word of God did but when it does, I remind myself, that's that old nature, Daryl. I need to hear this. I need to change this about my life because that ain't good. Right, right. How many you know the Bible says love your enemies? Right. How many of you are doing that? Right. Supposed to be. I said you're supposed to be. Yeah. But see, if that's a challenge for you, I'm going to show you in a minute. You've got to renew your mind there. You've got to go to work on renewing your mind there. But you got to realize the new picture, the new image of what I've got to see. So this being renewed in the spirit of the mind is simply saying this. I must become renewed to the fact I'm a spirit being. And who is that spirit being? What does he look like? What does he sound like? What does he think like? Do you know what your spirit thinks? You listening? Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. Your spirit thinks things. Your spirit knows things. Come on, somebody. Your spirit sees things you don't see. Hallelujah. So realize, this isn't the real me. Turn to your neighbor and say, this isn't the real me. I'm on the inside of here looking out. These, these eyes are just windows my spirit's looking through. But you got to understand, i got to get renewed to what? I'm a spirit being. Go to James chapter 1. Back over to James chapter 1. So let me help you further again with this renewal process. James chapter 1. I like what Pastor Barclay Helps Conference Uh, This this, uh, last month's Helps Conference, he said, Sumrall told him one time, he said, I have a question for you, Mark. He said, do people get happy when you preach? Sometimes. He said, do people get excited when you preach? Sometimes. It's Dr. Sumrall who changed nations. It's Dr. Sumrall who walked by faith. Imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promise. Dr. Sumrall was a man you could imitate. So sometimes they get happy, yep. Sometimes they get excited, yep. Do they sometimes get mad? Uh, seems like more, more often than not. Yeah, they, they, they tend to get mad. He said, son, that's good preaching. Because the part of you that gets mad if you're speaking the tr- truth is the flesh. And that person needs to be riled up and dealt with and put aside. You listening? He said, if you are not preaching, Mark, to where, you, where your people experience some of all of that at times, you're not preaching good. You're not preaching good. And most preachers today, they don't want to preach to you anything, obviously, that's going to make you mad. But if you're hearing the truth and you're getting mad, guess why you're getting mad? Your flesh is being dealt with. And we're supposed to do what? Crucify that part of us. Back to James 1, chapter 21. So how does this renewal of the mind process take place, Pastor? I'm going to show you a very important truth in closing today. 21, we've been here already. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So if you want to lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, what do you need to do? Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now let's stop right here for a minute. So the word implanted implies a planting of a seed. The word's a seed. Meaning that if you get it planted, it will grow and it will produce and it will bring results. So I've got to get that word implanted in me. Come on. For mine renewal to be effective and for that word to grow up inside me and change my life and how I think and how I live. If I don't get it implanted in me, my soul will not be saved. Your soul's not the real you. Soul's mind, will, and emotions. So the context of the soul being saved, this isn't salvation. Look at James 1, 2. My brethren. My what? Who's this that are written to? Believers. Believers. So in verse 21... Who's he talking to? Believers. Well, aren't they already born again? Yeah. So the saving of their soul here isn't salvation. The word save, I love this. You ready for this? The word "saved" here means to rescue from a hazardous condition. This word saved means to rescue from a hazardous condition. You know what your soul needs to be rescued from? It's wrong way of thinking which brings about hazardous conditions. You think wrong, you're going to experience hazardous conditions in your life. But you need to rescue your mind from those hazardous conditions by renewing it to the Word of God. Amen? Amen? But to do that, what do I got to do? Read it again. I must receive the Word of God with what? Meekness. To get it implanted to do its work. I've got to receive it with meekness. Listen to point number two. I know we touched on it last week. I'm back here for a reason. I want you to write it down if you didn't get it. The second key to renewing the mind, you've got to receive God's word. Back to what we just read in Ephesians. Where's the truth found? Where's the truth that's going to renew our minds and transform our life? It's found in the word. It's found in the word, right? So number two, I must receive God's word, therefore, with what? Meekness. Say, the truth's in the word. word. Say it out loud, please truth that what frees us the truth that renews our mind to help us bring that new man out free us from the old nature what does it free us from your old stupid way of thinking your old stupid way of living it frees you therefore from being deceived your Adamic nature can be deceived instantly your spirit man cannot you didn't hear me your Adamic nature can be deceived instantly easily but guess what your spirit man cannot your spirit man knows truth from error He's made in the image of God God knows all things Besides that, you got the Holy Spirit living in there to help you. Amen. Amen. What caused us to walk in deception? You are not following your spirit. You're allowing the Adamic nature to lead you. Amen. You listening? Well, how does that happen? We don't know the truth. What does the truth do? It frees you from all that. Say, so i got to live in the Bible. You're not going to live in the Bible. Just sit back, take a nap while everybody else is here getting, getting rid of the Word, receiving the Word. But don't, please don't snore because you'll, you'll cause them to be disrupted. But if you're not going to live in the Bible, you're not going to renew your mind. Because right. that's where new old mind takes place. Right? So get this. The truth is how we renew our minds to the new man to let the new man out. But I got to receive the truth with what? Meekness. Amen. So what does that mean? Twofold. So meekness means I recognize. Let me define meekness for you and then we'll give you the twofold application of it. All right? Here again is the definition of meekness. You ready? That's three of you. Praise God. Meekness does, you know, you're ready It's a question like I've asked it about six times so far. Meekness does not exalt oneself nor belittle. Get that. Meekness doesn't exalt, but it doesn't belittle either. You constantly put yourself down for the way you've been living, the way you've been doing things, etc. I'm going to tell you why. Because you're not receiving the word of God with meekness. You're not accepting who God says you are. You're going by what you're doing. You're going by what you see of the outward man. That's not you. I said, that's not you. This outward man is a vehicle, this body, and your soul that just gets you around. You're not that, that person. You're a spirit. You've been made by God. Amen. We learned last week in John 17 in Jesus' prayer, you're one with God. Watch this. Meekness does not exalt oneself nor belittle because it's not occupied with self at all. That's good. Meekness is not occupied with self at all. What's it occupied with? God. 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 If you walk in meekness like Jesus did, all right, so Jesus was one who walked on the context of this earth in meekness. How many of you know Moses did? The yeah. Bible said Moses was one of the humblest man, meekest man on the face of the earth, right? Yeah. How do we know what Moses was focused on? Oh my gosh, just go through his life with the children of Israel. Mm-hmm. Was he focused on himself? No way. Yeah. No way. Remember when God came down and said, "That's it, Moses. Yeah, I'm, I'm done, I'm done, I've had it. I've listened to their stuff long enough. Yeah. Just get get over, son. Move over, boy. Just move over because I'm wiping them out. I'm done with them. I've had it. Aren't you glad you're not living under that covenant? That's God. That's God. He had not changed. Thankful for grace because now in the context of grace, we're not falling under that judgment of the Old Testament that had to happen to keep a remnant alive. But he told Moses, I'm starting over with you, son. Now get out of the way. Now listen, if you are meek, if you are meek, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to move. But God said to move. You're not going to move. But if you're not meek, guess what you're going to do? You're going to move. Because if you're not meek, who are you thinking about? Yourself. Thinking about yourself. So I'm thinking about myself. God says, move. Guess what I don't want to be in the pathway of? Right. Destruction. <laughs> who am I thinking about? Yourself. Me. Yes, no, maybe. Yes. Yes. Y'all with me? Yes. So what did Moses say? I can't do that. Right. Can't do that, Lord. He wasn't like, no, 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 you're wrong. No, he just said, I can't do that. <clears throat> Why? Who was he thinking about? God. He was thinking about God. Remember what he told God? He said, God, you can't do this. Why? Because you said. God says, bring me in remembrance of my work. Because he has problems with memory? No. He wants to hear people on the earth speak according to what the Bible's told us we can do as a child of God, walk in authority. Along with God. He said, God, you can't do that because. You told, remember, not like God forgot, he, you told the Egyptians that you were going to bring them into this promised land and if you wipe them all out, you didn't do what you said. Right. That's humility. That's true meekness. Why? It's not exalting myself? Right? Exalting yourself would have been what? Well, God, let me tell you. Let me just tell you what you're doing wrong here. That's exalting yourself. Right. But belittling is I'm getting out of the way because I'm thinking about me. Come on. I don't want to get wiped out with those guys. Now, who was he thinking about? God. So if your focus is on God, guess what you're doing? You're walking in meekness. Let me bring it over to the New Testament. God's not wiping anybody out. Let me bring it over to, not yet. Let me bring it over to the New Testament. You ready? I said, you ready? Here's how you walk in meekness. By not focusing on yourself, here's how you walk in meekness. Number one, you look to God and you accept everything God says about you. You accept it. You don't reason it out. You don't let your old reasoning mind go through all these thoughts about that ain't me. that don't look like me. that don't sound like me. I don't believe that's me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What does the Bible say you are? How much time you got? You've been seated at the right hand of God. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. You've been given all authority in the earth to go use the power of God in this earth. Delegated power through the name of Jesus. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. You're more than a conqueror. Well, I don't feel like one. Doesn't matter what you feel like. That's who you are on the inside. But see, as long as you keep taking what the Bible says about you and you actually think different than what the Bible says about you, you're looking at you, the old you. You're not looking at God because if you look at God, you accept what he said about you. I'm not even looking at my new man. I'm just looking at God. And God says, this is who you are. Yes, sir. Come on. This is who God says you are. Okay, that's who I am, Father. That's who you said I am. That's who I am. Abraham did it. You're father of a multitude. Yes, sir, I'm father of a multitude. Even though I don't have one child, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I accept what you say. I'm a father of a multitude. That's how God was able to do a miracle in his life because he received the word with meekness. He accepted what God said about him even though he didn't have a child. Somebody give me a good amen in this house. So number one, to walk in receiving the word with meekness, how many want your mind renewed? It won't happen if you don't receive the word with meekness. I've got to accept everything the Bible says about me no matter what, i got to stop trying to reason it out. Right? I accept what God says because I, I get my focus on God and I take His Word and I receive it. Number two, got to act on it. I don't argue it. I don't argue what it tells me to do. If the Bible tells me to do this in my marriage, if the Bible tells me to do this with my raising my kids, if the Bible tells me to do this with my situation with my boss, if the Bible tells me to do this with my enemies, come on, if the Bible tells me to do this in relationship to my pastor... If the Bible tells me to live my life this way, do this, do that, whatever, under the new covenant, what I have available to me as a child of God, guess what I'm going to do? That's what I'm going to do. But see, if you don't receive the word of God with meekness, you won't do it. Right. You're, always going, you're always going to reason out why you don't have to do that. Right. Yeah. You know how many Christians reason out why they don't have to go to church? Yeah. A lot a lot guess what they're not doing? They're not getting their mind fully renewed because they're not receiving the word with meekness. Give somebody a high five. Say, pastor is preaching better than your amenity. How many want to get your mind renewed? To the nth degree that you can get your mind renewed. What do you got to do? 21. You got to receive the word with meekness. So number two, for my mind to be renewed, that renewal of the mind comes from the truth. I've got to receive it with meekness. I've got to receive it with number one, whoever God says I am, what's my focus on? God. That's who you say I am. That's who I am. That's what you said I'm to do. Number two, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm receiving the word with meekness. Not arguing, not reasoning. Guess where your arguing and reasoning comes from? The guy you're trying to renew. Come on. Guess where all the reasoning and all the arguing comes about what God says about you, what God says to do? It's coming out of your soul. It's coming out of the guy you need to get renewed. That's why you'll never renew that old mind if you keep rejecting the Word of God. If you don't receive it with meekness, your mind ain't going to be renewed. You're going to go by what your soul said, not what God said. Are you still here? So watch this. He goes on and says, but tying back to the statement about receiving the word with meekness, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if you're a hearer only, what are you doing? You're deceiving yourself. If anyone's a hearer, 23 of the word, not a doer. He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. And he goes away. He observes himself, but he goes away immediately. Verse 24, he forgets what kind of man he was. The less you apply the Bible, the less you're going to walk in the new man. Guess what you're looking at when you look in the Bible in the context of the New Testament? You. An image of you. You're looking in a mirror. You're seeing who God says you are. But if you don't do what it says, you'll walk away and forget who that guy was. Thus saith the Bible. But watch this. You ready? 25. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty. The law here is not the Old Testament law. The law is God's word. God's word is a law. It ain't going to change. Heaven and earth will pass away. His word will never pass away. And that law, that word is what? It's liberty. It brings freedom. Say freedom. So notice this. He who looks into this perfect law of liberty and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be what? What will he be? What will he be? Tell me, come on. Shout it at me. What will he be? Shout it at me. Well, guess why you'll be blessed? Because God's blessed. You're going to live like God. God's not cursed. God's blessed. You can walk in the same blessed life. Yes. But you got to be what? A doer of the word. So again, number one. Huh? I think that means it's time to quit preaching. Say number one. Number one. Say number one. number one. Say this. To renew, my mind. to renew my mind. Once you get this. To renew my mind. To, my mind. to grow in God. Grow in God. Live, like Live like him. To renew my mind. I put off the old. By seeing the new. Now, number two, as you see the new, what do you got to do? Receive the word with meekness. Accept it. Accept what it says about you. Accept what it tells you to do. Amen? Amen. Which leads to number three. You got to be what? A doer of the word. One, put off the old by looking at the new. Two, receive the word with meekness. As you do, number three, you become a doer of the word. If you're not going to be a doer of the word, you haven't renewed your mind. Renewal the mind is not just knowing what the Bible says. How many many Christians have sat in church for years and know what the Bible says? But that don't mean they're doing it. If you're not doing it, guess what you haven't done yet? You have not fully renewed your mind. Because a doer of the word who renews their mind, recognizing being a doer is a part of that renewal process. I see the old soul wants to do this. The Bible says to do this. If I renew my mind, I start doing what the Bible says. Hello, you start to becoming one who's renewed their mind because you're doing what the Word says. You're a doer of the Word. Can I get a better amen? amen? Go to Philippians 4 in closing today. Philippians 4. This is so awesome to understand and to walk in the light of. And it's sad to realize that a lot of believers are living below the kind of God type of life he wants them to live simply because they don't understand the renewal of the mind or they won't do it. So really simple again. One, I've got to see how to put off the old by looking at the new. Two, I've got to receive that word with meekness. Accept what God says and as I receive it with meekness, what do I do? Three, I apply it. I'm a doer of that word. Alright? Now, here's another part of what we've got to deal with. We'll get into this more next Sunday. But as you begin to go through this renovation process, how many you ever watch any kind of renovation show? on television how many have not ever watched a renovation show on television so nobody's hand went up now but none of the other hands went up when i asked a minute ago so if you've ever watched a renovation or done, have anybody ever done a little renovation have ever little done a little bit of deconstruction right have you ever got into renovating something and thinking this will be easy i can't tell you any time tell Kathy. i don't tell her this anymore i say, oh this will be easy this will be easy you know Five days later, <laughs> well, wasn't as easy as I thought it would be, you know. Kind of ran into some hard, hard things, didn't plan on this, you know. Are uh, you listening? So, all oh, this will be hard, easier. Then you run into some problems, right? But guess what? That's the way it is in dealing with your old life. There's what the Bible calls, we'll see him next week, strongholds. But you've been, getting, you've been given weapons, yes, we right? So when Chip Gaines or anybody goes into a place to deconstruct, they got weapons. Right. They got weapons, right? They don't just pull it all apart by hand, right? They got sledgehammers, right? right? Come on, they got wedges. They got all different kinds of power tools, et cetera, to do what? Get some of the hard stuff out. You know what you need to do sometimes? Sometimes you got to bring the power tools out. Sometimes you got to bring the power tools out. This is one of those power tools in connection with the Word of God. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, who's he writing to? Believers. Whatever things are what? True. Whatever things are noble. Whatever things are just. Whatever things are pure. Whatever things are lovely. Whatever things are of a good report. If there is any virtue or if there's anything praiseworthy, Underline this please. Underline it. Meditate on these things. What if I don't do that? You're not a doer of the word, so your mind will not be renewed. You listening to me? If you don't meditate on these kind of things, you're not a doer of the word. He just told you what to do with those kind of things. Meditate on these things. Well, I don't meditate. Yeah, you do. You meditate every day. I don't mean sit down like you know the yoga people and cross your legs and. Mm, I'm talking about that. You're meditating on stuff every day. Because meditate just means you're thinking about it. And you're thinking about it over and over and over again. What are we supposed to be thinking about over and over and over again? Look at everything in that list. Can I capsulize all of that in that list in one thing? Praiseworthy. If it brings praise to God, you should be meditating on it. If it don't bring praise to God, you shouldn't be meditating on it. Now, I'll pick this up next Sunday morning. I'll pick this back up next Sunday morning. Once you get this. You ready? Write this down. Number four, this is key. Because as you deconstruct, you're going to run into some hard things. You're going to run into some stuff that is so rooted in your soulish thinking, you don't even realize that you do it all the time. And you think that way all the time. It's so rooted in your old Adamic nature. Number four, got to meditate on God's truth. Listen, because this is how you reprogram your mind you got to meditate on God's truth because this is how you reprogram your mind. Your mind's been programmed. It's been programmed by so many false things and so many lies of the world. Some of that stuff gets deeply rooted in you. And to get it out, guess what you got to do? Meditation is how you reprogram. You listening? Meditation on the Word is how you reprogram. You don't reprogram by just hearing it preach and go back out in the world and just keep thinking about other stuff. When you start thinking about all these things that would bring praise to God, His Word, the way He says to live, what He says about you, a whole lot better to meditate on who He says about you than who you think. You start doing that, guess what happens? You start meditating on the Word, you begin to reprogram your mind. There's a reprogramming going on. I want you to get that. When a, when a problem exists with what a computer does, and there's an issue within the program, how do you know they've got to go in and reprogram the computer? Well, guess what? You got problems called strongholds. You got things in you that got so deeply rooted and programmed in you through life's events, different things, etc. They're not going to come out just by hearing one message. They're not going to come out by just reading one verse. You know what you got to do? Reprogram. So the areas where you see actions that are consistently opposed to how God would live, you just found a place there's got to be some reprogramming. Right? If you have issues with health all the time, you just found an area that you need some reprogramming in. If you have issues with finances, you just found an area where you need some reprogramming in. If you have issues with anger, you just found an area that you need some reprogramming in. Because the only way that's going to change, transformation comes by the renewing of the mind. And some of these things, as we're going to see next week, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, that are deep-rooted in us as a stronghold, they're not going to come out without reprogramming. How do you reprogram your mind? Meditating on the Word of God. Because like that programmer, he's constantly typing in this new code, right, to reprogram that computer. Guess what you're doing when you're thinking about God's Word over and over again? You're reprogramming your computer. And eventually you'll get the old program out, you'll get the new program in, and you'll start walking in that new nature.